This is Neil Erwitz. I'm here with Paul Shari, who is the new director of our Technology and National Security Program. And one area where he is, uh, has already been and will be focusing much more is artificial intelligence and how it's going to affect the battlefield. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Neil, for having me. So we've heard how artificial intelligence is going to reshape the economy, that it could have tremendous effects on you know, traffic and what it can do to the trucking industry and so many other things. Uh, you hear less about the effect that it's going to have on the battlefield. What, what effect will it have? Well, I think that's a that's a great question. It's one that we're interested in exploring um, in in the the research in our technology program. We've been doing work for a number of years on robotics, automation, on inhabited systems, in a in a particularly military context. Um, their role on the battlefield, but also for important back end functions like logistics and and networking and communications, um, medical evacuation, for example, as as an opportunity. But there are these broader issues, both um, in terms of other national security applications beyond just battlefield use, but also um, broader technological implications. We're, we're really at the beginning of what many people are describing as a new industrial revolution, this one powered by artificial intelligence. And this is really because of some very exciting advances in the past several years in a, a type of artificial intelligence technology called deep learning. And these deep learning systems are very, very powerful. And we're already seeing them being applied to things like healthcare, finance, transportation. And people are talking about massive disruption in these sectors on the order of trillions of dollars, um, looking at, at major job dislocation, jobs being created, jobs being destroyed, probably, unfortunately, not the same jobs for the same people, um, which will be challenging. But there's just been much less thinking done on what are the national security and global security implications of this technology. So if we're talking about something on the scale of an industrial revolution, well, we saw in past industrial revolutions that that shifted not only the balance of power between countries, but really the nature of power itself. So coal and steel producing nations became more powerful. Oil became a strategic resource that superpowers you know, uh, battle for influence uh, over around the globe. What is that in an era of artificial intelligence? So How, are we going to see a battle for Silicon Valley? I mean... Well, I think that one of the questions is, what is the strategic resource? How how do companies and, not, and, and nation states... And I think it's really important to realize here that nation states don't necessarily have even the lead in terms of power with this technology, right? That, you know, while in the past... Um, Nation states were, were made very powerful by prior, prior industrial revolutions. Here, now we're looking at all the really exciting innovations that are happening in the private sector. So, so who has the power? What, where does power come from? Um, some of it's clearly data, building up proprietary data sets that can be leveraged then for machine learning. Um, but some of it's also human capital. It's finding the right talent and being able to then leverage things. Um, and I think some of it's going to be about speed. It's going to be about processes that allow companies and, and governments to um, leverage this technology and innovate quickly. So you mentioned both the balance of power and speed. Does the U.S. have a, a head start here? Um, are we going to be able to control the rules of the road for a better, for want of a better term? Or is this something that could really knock the U.S. off its perch? 
Well, and I think the question is, what do we mean by the United States? If we mean the country in the broadest sense, and it includes U.S. companies and individuals, the United States is, as a nation is very much a leader in artificial intelligence. A lot of the top companies, not all of them, but a lot of them around in the AI field, um, Google, IBM, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, they're, they're U.S.-based multinationals. So, of course, they don't work exclusively in the United States, but they have a lot of uh, U.S. researchers. But China um, is doing quite a bit in artificial intelligence. Um, there's a lot of really exciting Chinese companies like Baidu that are doing very cutting-edge work. There's a lot of great Chinese researchers. Um, there's work going on in the U.K. in companies like DeepMind, which is owned by, by Alphabet. So I think, you know, and what's important, right, is all of that in the United States is happening in the private sector that's not necessarily tied into government, right? So the, even though these U.S. companies might be really at the leading edge, that doesn't necessarily mean that the government, uh, particularly for national security implications, is really well positioned to take advantage of this because there is, in some circles of the AI community, um, quite a bit of hesitation about necessarily engaging with people in the national security space. Concerns about misusing the technology. Now, um, a lot of people, when they think about uh, artificial intelligence and particularly artificial intelligence in the warfare sphere, for want of a better term again, are thinking about um, iRobot or, you know, Terminator. Are there... Uh, is there a major downside here uh, for weaponizing AI, or is there um, are there safeguards we really should be or need to be putting in? There's been a lot of concern among AI researchers about um, some of the harmful applications of, of AI um, in a number of ways. One, there are some basic concerns about simply AI safety. A lot of the um, AI tools today are very powerful, but they have a number of vulnerabilities. They can be vulnerable to um, spoofing attacks that could feed them false data and then lead to, to harmful outcomes that are not consistent with the operator's intentions, but there are also a suite of safety problems that are lumped under what um, many refer to as the control problem. And this isn't really you know, an AI becoming self-aware and rising up against humanity like you see in science fiction. It's something much more, much more practical about um, AI systems that maybe do precisely what they are programmed to do or what they uh, learn to do based on guidance they've been given but turns out to not really be what you meant at the time. So one of my favorite examples is a um, AI bot that was playing uh, old classic Nintendo games from the 80s and learned playing Tetris to hit the start button to pause the game right before the very last brick fell because then it would never lose. <laughs> and that was, yeah, that was allowed under sort of the rules it was given. That was shrewd. It was pretty clever, right? And that was, so that was legit, right? According Sounds to like something my older brother would do while I was waiting to play. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, like a move, kind of a kid would pull. Um, but so that's, you know, that's it's kind of humorous, it is, when you're talking about Tetris. When you think about something analogous to that in the real world, when you have AI systems doing really important functions like transportation and finance or healthcare or national security, maybe things like cybersecurity, that may have some very serious real-world implications. And so that's something that researchers are grappling with um, and trying to think about how to make these things safe. And that's a concern we, we've seen... Um, uh, TSA talking about using uh, neural networks for image recognition in some of their scanners at airports. Well, a lot of these image recognition um, algorithms that use uh, deep learning systems are vulnerable to these spoofing attacks where they can be fed false data, and they they buy it. They buy false data 
Um, and there's, there's not really any known ways to correct that vulnerability right now. And then there are many researchers worried about malicious applications of AI, which unfortunately we live in a world where that's going to happen, just like people have you know, created malware and, and viruses and worms and, and Trojan horses and other kinds of computer software that's harmful. People will certainly use AI to those ends. And so um, some researchers have also started to think about what that might look like and ways to counter it now, which is really important to get ahead of that. Well, this is going to be fascinating over the next uh, few years. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, thank you.